Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied abundantly unto you all through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You may be seated. <clears throat> We're going to take a look at the reading from James. In eternity past, God the Father and God the Son, they knew that we would sin. They knew that we would rebel. They knew that we would walk away from them. So they devised a plan to pursue us, and the plan was that a sinless Savior would come as the sinner's Savior. And in the fullness of time, the Lord Jesus Christ exited his throne in heaven, and he entered into human history humbly. And he knew exactly what he was sent to do and the work that he was commissioned to accomplish Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with both God and man. He preached the truth. He helped the hurting. He healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind. He opened the ears of the deaf. He loosed the tongue of the mute. He raised the dead. He rebuked the demons. He contended with the religious and he emerged victorious. He has done everything well. And just before the most important event in the history of the world, when he would die on the cross for the sins of humanity and atone for our sin, Jesus paused and he prayed to his heavenly Father. In John chapter 17, we have it recorded. He said, Father, while on the earth, I have completed the works that you have sent me to do. Jesus knew exactly what he was to be doing, and that is exactly what he was doing. Jesus completed the works that he and the Father had agreed to. Then Jesus went to the cross where he substituted himself for us. The God-man put himself in our place and suffered and died the punishment that we deserve, that we might receive the salvation that he alone could secure. So, let us be clear. Everything Jesus did is everything that needs to be done. He said this on the cross, breathing out his last breath in victory. He said, it is finished. The work of salvation was completed. We don't add to it. It's not Jesus plus some good work. Jesus plus a good life. Jesus plus speaking in tongues. Jesus plus generosity. Jesus plus doing better or trying harder. Because Jesus plus anything ruins everything. It's all Jesus, only Jesus. It's always Jesus. And Jesus alone saves. That's Jesus' saving work. We're not to do anything. We're simply to trust the one who has done everything. And the Bible calls that faith. And that faith justifies us before God and saves us. As we trust Jesus and have faith in him, we are plugged in to the life and death of Jesus Christ. 
We see this in our baptism. It's in Romans chapter 6. We were buried, therefore, by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in his death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Just as you take dead technology, like a smartphone or a tablet or earbuds or laptop, and you plug it into its power source so that it would come to life, so we who are spiritually dead by nature, by faith, have been united to the power of the living Jesus and are made spiritually alive. And Jesus' work for us begins a work in us. Jesus' work begins to transform us. Our appetites, our desires, our longings change. We're no, we no longer love the things we used to love. We no longer do what we used to do because we're no longer who we are by nature. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me so that I could live and live for you. Jesus' work for us then continues with Jesus' work in us to love and to serve and to give. Not so that God would love us, but because he already has. Not so that God would accept us, but because in Christ he already does. It's the life of Jesus for us, in us, and through us so that all of that, and hear me on this, all of that is the work of Jesus. Philippians 2 says it pretty clear. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And then we come to the book of James. He's the younger half-brother of Jesus. He's likely the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, and maybe even at this time or shortly thereafter, the church was scattered by the time the letter is written. And he's writing to religious people of the church, primarily Jewish converts, who have been going to meetings just like ours and hearing sermons just like we do, week after week, for a long time. And he's going to clarify to them Jesus' work and your works. He's going to talk about a counterfeit faith. Counterfeit means some aspects look real, but it's not the real deal. And he calls it dead faith. James 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, he's writing to religious people, Christians like you and me, he calls them brothers. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? It's an important question. We're saved from Satan's sin, death, hell, torment, and the wrath of God. 
Being saved is incredibly important, but can dead faith save you from that fate? And then he uses a case study, an example. If a brother or a sister, fellow Christian, poorly clothed, someone in your church service, someone maybe in your neighborhood, in your circle, someone you might pass by. Maybe it's a kid that walks to the bus stop in the morning and you notice they're standing in line for the bus, but that kid doesn't have a coat. It's cold and it's raining and that child is shivering and shaking. Or you see one lacking in daily food. Maybe it's a single mom, single mom in your church service, single mom in your neighborhood. They're trying to make ends meet. She's fallen short again this month. And as a result, she's distressed because she can't get food to feed her children. And one of you say, notice, you don't do anything, you just say. This can be a problem with the religious or anybody. You say to them, go in peace. You quote a little verse, give them a little Christian cliche, a little, you know, when God closes a door, he opens a window. I'm sure he's got great things and plans for you. Just trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. I'll be praying for you. I pray he gives you a coat. Well, God already has given them a coat. And it's at your house and it's in your closet. Go home and get the coat and give it to the kid. Or... I pray that he gives you a sandwich. Well, he already has given them a sandwich. It's in your fridge. Go get it and give it to the one who needs food. If you're going to pray to your heavenly father for someone, ask yourself if you can answer that prayer before you pray it. Because God calls you to do that. If you can, you say, go in peace, be warm and filled. Go in peace, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, be filled. Without giving them the things needed for the body, but does nothing about his physical needs. And here's a good question. What good is that? What good is that? Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is a dead faith. And you know what dead people do, right? You know what dead people do? Absolutely nothing. It's not a trick question. They do nothing. You know what dead faith does? Dead faith does absolutely nothing. It's all lip service and no action. 
Dead faith is a profession of faith that you do not practice because you do not really possess it. It's like the guy who says, I love my wife. Do you ever talk to her? Nope. Do you serve her? Nope. What, do you live with her? Not really. You don't love her. Yes, I do. Don't judge my heart. Well, the problem, the problem is your heart has overflowed into your life, and we see it. And frankly, there's nothing there. Dead faith is lip service, not lifestyle. Now, please, 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 before you start thinking of people in your circle of friends and life that might have a dead faith, stop right there. These words are inspired by your Heavenly Father to you. So, as we like to do in church, we look at ourselves. And our Heavenly Father comes to us and he loves us so much that he, he speaks honestly and forthrightly and clearly because he doesn't want you to go through life thinking you've got the faith in the bank, but really all you've got is a counterfeit faith, a dead faith. So he's going to remind us all what a dead faith looks like. And dead faith is fruitless. It's fruitless. So let's ask ourselves, do I have a dead faith? And how would I know? You don't give. You don't serve. You don't really care. But you believe in God. That is a classic, lazy, lukewarm, lifeless religion. And the Bible talks about faith as alive. It's your living relationship with the living God. You can grow up in the church. You can sit in the church pew every week. You can have your wedding in the church. You can have your funeral in the church. Close your eyes one day and you can wake up in hell. Because church doesn't save, Jesus saves. Traditions, they don't save, Jesus saves. Religion doesn't save, Jesus saves. It's not what you do, it's not what the church does. It's what Jesus does and whether or not you trust in him. And Jesus said, a good tree bears what kind of fruit? good fruit. And a bad tree bears what kind of fruit? Bad fruit. And the most likely cause of a tree that's not fruitful generally are the root system. It's not very well rooted. Some are rooted in morality. Some are rooted in religion. Some are rooted in spirituality. Some are rooted in tradition. But God's word says you need to be rooted in Christ and allow his life to flow into your life and through you. We don't want anything to do with dead faith. 
And the Apostle Paul puts it so beautifully in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, 9, and 10. For by grace, you didn't earn it, didn't deserve it. It was a gift. By grace, you've been saved, past, present, future, conquered Satan, sin, death, hell, avoided the wrath of God. It's all taken care of. Take a deep breath. Close your eyes and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for taking care of my salvation. And he gives you faith. And there's the big word, faith, trusting in Jesus. And this is not even your own doing. It's not your works. It's the gift of God. Jesus' work, not a result of work so that no one can boast. I'm a good person. I saved myself. I went on a pilgrimage to spiritual enlightenment. I give lots of money. I'm a godly man. No, 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 no way. No boasting. You didn't do anything to save yourself. Jesus saves you, and Jesus did it all. And then he says, for we are his workmanship. In other words, Jesus is working on you, changing your desires, changing your nature, changing your inclinations, changing your priorities and your budget, changing your mouth, changing your lifestyle, changing your orientation. Created in Christ Jesus for good, not bad works that compete against the faith, but good works that follow and complete the faith you have. Not works that you're trying to make yourself a Christian, but works that show that you belong to Christ. It's Jesus' work for you. It's Jesus' work in you. It's Jesus' work through you. It's all Jesus' work. You're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone to good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do. And we don't do those works, giving, loving, praying, serving, growing, helping, trying, caring, out of legalism. You need to do this. We do them out of love. Jesus has done that for me. Jesus is doing that in me. Jesus wants to do that through me. He loves me. I love him. And I respond to that love by loving others. The result is the greatest joy because you join Jesus on his mission of loving people. I'll summarize it for you. Internal devotion to God, which is faith, produces external devotion to God and love for neighbor, which is works, because a good tree bears good fruit. And God has prepared good works for you to do. For you to do. That means... In your life, even right now, there are people for you to love. There are people for you to talk to about Jesus. There are things for you to learn you haven't finished learning yet. There are ways for you to grow. There are desires that need to be changed. There are mindsets that have yet to be altered. There's generosity for you to share there's a kingdom for you to serve in. And there is a mission 
for you to be a part of. And Jesus invites you to join him in this wonderful, glorious, good work of the gospel, moving through the nations of the earth and starting in the lives of the people you know. We've got a lot to do. We've got people to disciple, hurting people to help, lonely people to comfort and poor people to feed and children to teach and mature and leaders to equip. We've got new endeavors to try. If this does not prompt you to change your life, then let me put it this way. The same love that got Jesus off of his throne in heaven, got Jesus into history, got Jesus caring, loving, seeking, serving, saving, and saving you, is now at work in you. And it's not us, it's Christ in us. Think about that. Now you know why you're here, why you're still here. Now you know, know why you've tuned in to church or you've come to church today. Work of God. Now you know why you were born. Now you know why you have the experiences you have and the gifts that you've been given and the skills that you've developed and the opportunities that God has set before you because he has good works for you to do. And here's more good news. God doesn't need you, but he loves you just like a good father allows his children to participate with him in the things that he does. Our loving Heavenly Father loves to have his kids to go to work with him. And we get to see what he's like. And we get to see what he's doing. And we get to see what he's working and what he's building and what he's changing and how he's influencing the lives of others. And we learn more about our Father in heaven and we get to see the family grow and we get to share in that joy, and we become more like him as we work with him. And he doesn't force us to work with him because, because he is wanting to use us to carry out his mission of saving the world. In fact, we probably make his job a lot harder because we mess up so often. But he invites us to walk alongside him and to work with him because he loves us and he wants us to love what he loves. He wants us to see the people in need that he sees who are in need. And then he wants to do what he would do. Faith. It shows itself clearly in the works that we do. Amen.